everybody. It's time to roll for intent with Creator's Corner, and we have a extra special episode for you today. I'm sure you're wondering, why is there a release on Friday? What's going on? What? You guys never release this show on Friday. Oh, they well, know. Trevor, Trevor, what's going on? Uh, we're, we got new classes. We got new playtest classes, y'all. And and we, we got a hold of this data a couple days ago and have been able to go over it and just absolutely dive in our expert opinions. No, I'm lying. We're going to shoot from the hip and have fun with this one because these things are super cool. And uh, this will be releasing the day that the playtest data comes out. So I hope you guys... Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, you can pull open the PDF and follow along with us because I think we're going to be roughly following the structure of the way it's written. And we also have a special guest with us today, not just. Well, I was just going to say, Christian. I also feel like we're not alone in here. We aren't. Oh, hello Is there? That's Jim Lehman from Cardinal Adventures. No, how y'all doing, man? It's a long time no see. Uh, except for Gen Con. That was awesome. Right. Got like, to meet you. I was going to say, we saw you like a few weeks ago. In, ter- in terms of the show, I haven't been on the show in a while, so. Fair, fair. Oh, yes. That, that makes long, sense. Long time no talk, I guess. But uh, it's, it's not long time no see, because, yeah. How y'all gents doing? We're doing fantastic. But I have a feeling the people want to know. What are these new classes? Fun of several of them have probably already been waiting for Paizo to release it to only have Paizo site crash, and then they can't get into them, and then they have to scour discords and other discussion <laughs> groups and try to find their download of the playtest. <laughs> I think that's only happened like every time they've done a playtest. And for those of you that haven't grabbed the PDF yet, come on over to our Discord, rollforintent.com slash Discord. We'll have a link to the PDF so you don't have to navigate the Paizo site and find it. In fact, I will host it myself for you in case we give it the hug of death on Paizo's site. Which is probably going to happen, let's be honest. It happens every time. (laughs) Every time, every time. You know what? Paizo just really needs to send out the the email with the link to the playtest in it. I mean, that's how po- that's how partners get it. So, like, we just get a press kit that has a link with mm-hmm. all of the stuff in it. Yeah. And uh, that would be really cool if, you know, don't give them the press kit, obviously. But, like, yeah, yeah. hey, here's the link to the thing. It's in the email that all of you get because you bought stuff on our site. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's see. Anyhow. You want to bring in the first one? Heck, yeah. All right, Christian, bring him into the first one. First on the list, we have the Animist. And this is a pretty cool spirit-based class. I don't think the Animist and the Thaumaturge are going to be friends, to be honest with you. Because I feel like they're very different characters. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I I almost feel like the Animist would be offended by how callously the Thaumaturge kind of just uses Esoterica without having like a deep connection to it. They're just like, yeah, no, watch this. I can do this thing. And the Animist is like, no, you're going to hurt the machine spirit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like it's kind of like Craven the Hunter and the Punisher go out to do something together. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. they're, very, they're very different people. <laughs> so the iconic for this thing, I know everybody likes to talk about the iconics. We're going to spend just a couple minutes on the iconic uh, because I think this iconic design is pretty unique uh, as far as Paizo's concerned. And, and Liam's probably going to be able to speak to this a little bit better than I am. But like. This iconics from the land of the Linorm Kings. I think that's a first. Uh, for iconics, one hundred percent, yes. Very much a, like a like <clears throat> a Scandinavian type theme for this thing. The name is Samo. 
of Icemark. Uh, she's a Varky woman, and she is a Nephilim, which, back to the, the OGL to ORC changes. Uh, we are losing Tieflings, we are losing Azamars, we are gaining Nephilim, which can have aspects of fiendish and celestial blood. She has the ability to see spirits and other entities that others could not. She's been trained in the arts of animism, and she was bound to her grandmother's spirit, an apparition known as the custodian of groves and gardens. This is something I think that's really, really cool in this class. And I think they they started it with the kineticist um, and, and are continuing in it here. But the class features and feats have the coolest names, y'all. I think they're very uh, evocative of what they provide, and they actually just sound cool. And you're going to see that repeated a lot in this. Yeah, what I, just as a side note, what I love about the class features of both classes is um, they almost tell the story, or like, how I put it, like if, if there's a class feature at level five, it's all like the GM, it makes it so easy or makes it easy for the GM to say, by the time they're level five, they should have either earned this title or experienced this kind of thing that guides them into this part of their growth and progression, which is so cool. Yeah, it's that classic. Here's my backstory. By the way, according to my backstory, I'm like a 12th level character. Oh, we're starting at level one. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I like I like that, that that this definitely speaks to the progression of a character as they go. Um, and, and I like that. I think Paizo is doing that more and more with the newer classes is mm-hmm. the, the, the feats aren't just a name for a mechanical feature. They tell the story of your character. Classic rain, classic Wayne Reynolds design here, like so much detail in this thing. Um, she looks like she's got like relics or, or, you know, like the thaumaturgic implements almost. Uh, she's got horns. There's a, there's a spirit rising above her. Uh, she looks ready for something. I don't know what it is, but this classic, very busy Wayne Reynolds style is on display in spades here. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love the pupil, the pupilless eye design because it kind of speaks to the whole. You literally see spirits other people don't see, like you, you, yeah, because it, it kind of drives that home. Yo, yeah, she sees dead people. Oh my god, all the time. <laughs> Somebody had to all see. the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have this is a wisdom based prepared caster with a tiny bit of spontaneous casting mixed in, and we will get into that. Uh, your mm-hmm. hit points are eight, obviously, plus your constitution modifier. You are basically only an expert in will. Everything else you are trained in, uh, skills, you're trained in nature, trained in religion, plus two, plus your ability or your intelligence modifier. And then you get simple weapons, unarmed attacks, light armor, medium armor, and then your spell DCs. So very, very typical for what we see for pretty much any spellcaster. I would say that the the um the con being eight is is really good for this class because some of the features reward getting closer 
uh, rather than mm-hmm. just hanging back and you know spamming spells or something. There's there's a lot of parts of this class that have forced movement towards you uh, or or away from you or immobilization and and things that really reward this character trying to be a frontliner as best they can. Yeah, this character I feel is like what what the difference between someone who's mastered this class and who's uh, who's just like playing the class is their is their positioning. Like a hundred percent, this class comes down to positioning on the battlefield. It's like so key to the class. You'll find that both of the classes we're going to talk about today are they have a very high skill cap. I, I think yeah, that agreed. these are going to be something that a lot of beginners want to play, but will get discouraged very, very quickly by their GMs saying, no, you can't do that, or just being smacked down because they don't know the class features. So if you want to play these, and they are really fun, for the sake of yourself and your GM, learn them very well, because there is a lot to learn, and there will be a test. Mm-hmm. There is so much versatility in the Animist. Their, their primary thing you get right out the door is their apparition attunement and basically what this class does is as you start out you get a number of spirits you get two and there are numerous to pick from in the play test we are shown six we don't know if there are more than six if six is all there is but as you level up you get to pick a third and a fourth each of these spirits grants you some abilities So at first level, you're going to pick two of them and you can switch them out every day when you do your daily preparations. You are never tied to, oh, these are the two spirits I picked and I'm locked down. No, you are very able to adjust your spirits. And that's important because you get bonus spells that your spirit can spontaneously cast from each spirit that you pick. So that's the part where we said there is a little spontaneous caster mixed in. So based on what's going on for the day, or more importantly for the GM side, seeing a bunch of player groups, you can very much adjust this character based on how your group is built. If you're missing something, you can switch up your spirits for the day and help out in areas that your group is weak in without actually modifying anything. This is built into your character to do this. So I thought that was a really cool thing to affect. And it's going to be something, as you said, this requires a pretty good skill set to master this class. So those people that have that skill set are going to really be able to jump in and help a group when they see something missing. And the craziest part about this is it's not so every day you get to choose those apparitions and you also can, cause so you choose a primary one when you, when you choose all those uh, and that's the one you draw spells from, you can change what your, who your primary apparition is when you refocus as well, which is insane. So like you can change so many times throughout the day and just change your kit no, you can, on the you fly. Can, you can change it with a single action activity once per round with Apparitions Whirl if you're a channeler. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, go, we'll get to the practice. Yeah, here, yeah. yeah it's, it's wild. Uh, just for clarification here, I'm pretty sure every spirit, you get the spell from every spirit, not the focus spell, but you get that spell list when they spontaneously cast, they get to pick from every single spirit that you have chosen for the day. So that's why... It's spontaneous casting. Like if you pick two spirits, you look at those two spell lists. And when you spontaneously cast your first level spell, it can be either of those two or three when you get a third. Correct. Yeah. So, so, and also just for a point of clarification, that doesn't mean like at level one, you would get two 
uh, spontaneous ones. Uh, you don't get to have two from each apparition. It's two total between all the app, you know, the two apparitions you have at the time. Uh, cause that would be, that would be insane. If you were able to cast six spells at level one, <laughs> but crazy. it really does great stuff for having such a versatile repertoire. And the fact that they're auto signature spells. Is now, I was just, just about to say that. Bonkers. So crazy. So good. So crazy. Well, and that's where we get into this really cool aspect of the diversification of this. On the memorized side, your heightened spells work exactly like normal. But the small amount of spontaneous spells you get, you get basically what amounts to the uh, a free heightened for every one of those spells. You can... You don't have to do anything special to heighten your spontaneous spells. There's no signature spell. Uh, they're somewhat like the summoner in that regard. If it's on your list, you can cast your second level spell at a fourth level slot. Nothing special you have to do for that. Yeah, the, their focus spells are known as vessel spells, which we'll get to here in a bit as well. Uh, next is right. the practice. Uh, Trevor, you want to go into the practice? Yeah, so practice is kind of a another layer of subclassing. And this is something, again, I really like that Paizo's done with the design of the newest, with the design of the newest classes, is that subclassing is very versatile and very tailored to the individual. So we have two different practices. One is the channeler, and uh, they don't have a tightly knit bond with one apparition, but they can more freely move between the apparitions that they have. So it's definitely a more flexible uh, version of, of, the, of the animist. They get a single action activity called uh, Apparitions World that they can use once per round that will allow you to shift uh, to a different apparition as your primary apparition from the group of apparitions you are attuned to. Uh, you get that immediately. The subclass has additional boons that they get. So you have a initial boon, which is the apparitions whirl in this case. You get a ninth, ninth level intermediary boon that gives you an increased proficiency rank in fortitude saves um, and also gives you a critical success on successful will saves. I mean, juggernaut. It's Juggernaut. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially Juggernaut. Um, at 13th level, your proficiency ranks in light armor, medium armor, and unarmed, un, and unarmored defense go to expert. And at 17th level, uh, the first time in an encounter, you enter a stance, which another class that has stances. We told you that this was going to be a complicated one. You gain a number of temporary <laughs> right. hit points equal to half your level plus two. And they last for a minute. So yeah, we've got we've got stances, we've got apparitions that you can choose from for day per day. We have a mix of spontaneous and prepared. We have primary versus secondary apparitions. There is a lot to track through. The second yeah, subtype is the sage, and they kind of focus on getting a connection with one of their active apparitions. Um with their initial boon, uh, they get something called Apparitions Possession. It's a single action activity that they can do once per round. And until the start of your next turn, you're immune to control effects or spells that uh, attempt to influence your actions like Charm or Command, unless the spell rank is more than twice your level. But the only actions you can take are to Strike, Stride, uh, 
cast an apparition spell, cast a vessel spell, or use an action with the apparition trait. So if you are in a campaign where you're dealing with a lot of things that have the controlled condition, um, this is absolutely fantastic for you. Uh, when you increase the boon at ninth level, you get uh, your armor proficiency uh, increases to expert. So this one is a little bit more of a up in your face version. This is this is the like the difference between a war priest and a cloistered cleric is the uh, sage and the channeler, respectively. Greater boon, you get some uh, spirit resistance equal to half your level, and a plus two circumstance bonus to saving throws against spirit effects. Spirit is the new type of damage that's kind of a stand-in for alignment damage. Sort of, kind of, but not really. And you're immune to any effect that separates your soul from your body against your will, like seize soul. At the 17th level, uh, whenever a haunt, spirit, undead, or incorporeal creature fails a saving throw against your spells, you get a plus two circumstance bonus to your AC and saving throws against that entity's attacks and abilities for the next 24 hours. And you select up to two apparitions as your primary apparition, which is pretty crazy when we get to what you get for those primaries. All right. Uh, all right. Up next are the class features. So uh, general level two animus feats. Uh, so they don't get one at level one because they're a caster. That's pretty normal. Uh, skill feats, second level. General feats, third level. Spiritual fortitude at third level. Uh, your proficiency rank for fortitude saves increases to expert. Uh, skill increases as normal at third level. Uh, a fourth level class feature, which isn't very common. Uh, this is where you get your third apparition daily, which is not a very low level, um, but I think that's great. And they also get a focus point increase. Uh, so you get your second focus point as a casting class at level uh, four, which is wonderful. Uh, fifth level ancestry feats, seventh level expert spell casting, ninth level. Apparitions Awareness, uh, your proficiency rank in Perception increases to Expert. Uh, 10th level, you have Advanced interloc- uh, Interlocution. Uh, you channel the power of spiritual forces entities with incredible efficiency. You gain an additional apparition slot for each rank of spells you can cast up to your highest rank of spells, minus two. For example, a 10th level Animist would have an additional spell slot at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd rank. Which is and pretty awesome. This one is where Trevor and I already had our first argument. When you look at the spell list, the spell list reflects that already. So is that on top of the spell list? Let me or, look at the spell list. Because that's what, I, that's what I was very confused about. Because the spell list reflects this ability exactly. So that's where I'm like, well, that's really weird that they would mention this and the spell list reflects it. So I feel that there should be some clarification because if I were to look at this as a kind of a newbie, I would say, oh yes, I need to add more spells. But as a more experienced player, I would look at that and say, yeah, they probably don't want you to have that many spells because you already are having more than most casters at that point. So they don't want to increase that even further. Yeah, it uh so it's um let me see a tenth level. Yeah, it just it, reflects it already, uh, the chart reflects it. A, yeah, at the bottom of the spells per day, the Supreme Apparition class feature gives you tenth rank apparition slot and other so yeah, it it is already built into it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they just had to give a name to make it make sense, right? But but there's never been a name to any spell casting class to explain why you get more spells ever. 
that's, that's, that's why true. I feel this is very confusing because no spellcasting class in the history of the game has ever actually described, oh, you get more spells at this level. This is why. why it literally is just a number that goes up. I think the reason they do that is because um, it tells you you get an additional apparition slot. They didn't want people to automatically assume that it was a prepared slot, even I, though it breaks it down no, in the but, skill rank. Get, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's already I in know. the spell list, so know, it's perfectly clear. This I makes know. it unclear. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this was no, my first fine. thing that I was like, this bugs me. Like, why did you add this? Because yeah, if you didn't have it, there would be no question. Zero. But yeah. because it's there, it's like, wait a minute. Well, why? <laughs> yeah. Apparitions Anyways, warning. carry on. Oh, no, you're fine. Apparitions warning. Uh, your proficiency ranks for uh, reflex increases to expert. Single weapon expertise, level 11. Very basic. Uh, fourth apparition, you get at level 12, which is awesome because uh, you just, uh, like I said, even like, most, most of those kind of class features for other classes are like reserved for like level 17 or 15. And it's nice that we have a class that gets to take off even at level 12. Uh, it's like a specialization. turbo bloodline almost because you get to have these additional spells added to your repertoire. Mm-hmm. really early on that you yeah. can shift out very, very easily. Yeah. Uh, weapon specialization at 13. Uh, and then master spellcaster 15 legendary spellcaster 19. And last but not least supreme incarnation at level 19. You become a nexus between the mortal and spiritual realms capable of serving as the channel for your apparition to inc- uh, incarnate. It's full might through you. You gain a 10th rank apparition spell slot. In addition to heightened versions of your apparition spells, you can use this slot to cast avatar. You can cast avatar in this way. You do not become an avatar of a deity. Rather, a primary attuned apparition incarnates itself using your body, transforming you into an avatar described in your primary attuned apparitions entry. Super cool. Super, super cool. We get a couple of new traits too for the animist the apparition trait um that uh involve one or more of your apparitions acting alongside of you and you have to be attuned to at least one apparition one apparition to use an apparition ability uh and some of the abilities might state more specifically which apparition you have to be attuned to and then you have the wandering trait and it identifies an animus feat closely attuned to particular types of apparitions when you make your daily preparations, you can retrain any wandering feat you know for any other wandering feat available at the level you took the exchange feat. If you needed more skill ceiling, there you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you if you needed more skill ceiling, there you go. Oh my gosh. It's like an early version of what the fighter can do with taking these, you it's, know. It's exactly what they can do. Yes, it's, exactly it's wild. That's so wild. But you get it. I feel like we're seeing a lot of things that we're going to be in, you know, players core that rewording and things like that to make some of this stuff more in line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super neat stuff. I will say that the first wandering, uh, the first wandering feat doesn't, you don't get it until six. So it's not super early, but all of the feats at level six are wandering feats. Noise. So you guys want to head into the the juicy part of the animus, the apparitions themselves? 
There is one thing I want to touch on just because it's been such a contentious thing in the Pathfinder world, and that is the removal of the ability damage for cantrips. And personally, I have always felt they're going to be boosting that with the remake of these classes, that they're they're mm-hmm. not just removing that and not giving anything. And we see evidence of this right here, a first-level animus feat called Channeler Stance. And while you're in this stance, whenever you cast or sustain an apparition spell or vessel spell, it deals energy damage that deals energy damage. You gain a status bonus to the spell's damage equal to the spell's rank. So this would include cantrips, unlike how dangerous sorcery is currently worded. It says it has to come from a slot. There's no wording like that. Yes. There is no wording here in this. So. Yes, as your cantrips level up, so is the damage in this going to level up. So I, to me, this is kind of like way more evidence that there are going to be feats to the spellcasting classes that are going to allow you to augment your cantrip damage. And I know people were, of course, you know, naturally upset because there's not enough information. But this yeah, were, to me the, is just a, a clear direction that they're moving in. Yeah, they were panicking. And it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, as soon as, as, soon as I saw that with, these, with, uh, with the uh, Animus, I was like, yeah, they're adding there will be means of supplementing your spells if you're a spellcaster with extra damage. There will be means of supplementation. Uh, so yeah, no panic. Don't panic. It's too late. Trevor, let's hear of the custodian of groves and gardens, man. What you got? This is where we're going to start getting their really cool names. I mean, somebody, whoever's thinking up these names needs a raise because they're great. <laughs> they're, they, they're, they're descriptive and they're fun. So the custodian of groves and gardens, um, they are generally considered like a benevolent spirit. And you'll see some of these tend to have a bit of a character to them. Uh, they're apparitions that are drawn to peaceful pursuits, study, quiet reflection, and they linger in the mortal realms, not because they've lost their way, but because they believe that they've already found Elysium. How adorable. They think they're already in paradise. Mm-hmm. Peaceful, quiet, averse to conflict. Um, if this is your primary apparition, you gain the skills farming lore and herbalism lore. The granted spells that you get, and these are the spells that are added to your repertoire for free as long as you have attuned to this apparition for the day. And these are your apparition spells. Tangle Vine, Wall of Shrubs, Gentle Breeze, Safe Passage, Life-Draining Roots, Entwined Roots, Field of Life, Dancing Fountain, Moment of Renewal, Overwhelming Presence. All of these are pretty passive spells with the exception of Life-Draining Roots. I was like, Life-Draining Roots um, goes ham. Yeah, no, that does. But the rest of them are very much towards area control, area denial, like a passive protection sort of thing. Their vessel spell is Garden of Healing, um, which is a spell with a 10-foot emanation that can be sustained for up to one minute. When you cast a spell in the first time each round that you sustain the spell, you create a pulse of renewing energy that heals each living creature within the emanation for 1d4 hit points. Uh, For each rank it's heightened, it's an additional 1d4 hit points. It's not huge, but it's another easy way to potentially heal between combats, It's a good way to heal in combat if you just need a little bit of a boost, especially as you get to a little bit of a higher level. What do you think this would do to undead within the emanation? Do you think it would attempt to, would would it damage? I think that's a question that people are going to ask. You know, would it do vitality damage to an undead? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if I'd rule it that way. I, because the I would say all the spells and such don't really go on the in the direction of vitality. Like I, was, I mean, I, yes, they're plant. Like you could make that argument because they're plants and stuff. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Because right there in that, it doesn't actually say that it's, you know, for 1D4, you know, points of vitality healing or something like that. It's very neutral. But maybe that's part of core. Maybe when we look up heal in core, that's also not going to say vitality. So until we see more, I, I really don't know. But I do notice that nowhere in the, while it has the vitality trait, Nowhere in the body does it, does. it say it's actually dealing 1d4 like points of vitality, either damage, healing, however you want to word that. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. No, as a, as a counter, though, because heal has the positive trait, and that's how we know it also deals damage to undead as well, was through the positive trait. So if the vitality yeah, so, trait is the replacement, yeah. then I guess that would, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean... It also specifically calls out living creatures. It does not call out undead as anything, as if... True perhaps it can't target undead at all. It's possible. Um, I just want to point out too, just real quick as we proceed forward, uh, one thing you'll notice about all these vessel spells, aka their focus spells, all of them, I think minus one, no, all of them are uh, sustained one minute, one action, which I'm a huge fan of. I, I love also, that. Also, not one of these would provoke an attack of opportunity. They do not have the manipulate trait. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, you want me Fam. to go ahead and take imposter? One more, one more. We have the avatar. And this is, this is oh, yeah, something sorry, that's sorry. really, really interesting to me, I think. You get the Elysian field. Speed of 60 feet, ignore difficult terrain and greater difficult terrain. You have a 10-foot reach melee attack that's agile, non-lethal, and trip. Does 6d6 plus 6 bludgeoning plus grab you can be non-lethal with this. Same thing with their ranged attack. It's a ranged, non-lethal uh, attack called Impose Peace that does 66 plus 6 mental damage. Love the flavor of that. This, like, absolute pacifist to the very end. This person is capable of, like, summoning 10th, 10th rank magic, and he's like, no, I'm still not here to kill you. I'm still trying to be nice about it. Interesting. It's called Garden. Their melee attack is called Garden's Cradle. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how much more you know non-threatening can you be? Now, real quick on the Garden of Healing, though. Um, again, this is what, where I was talking about that positioning being so key to this class. Ten foot emanation. It, it it'd be easy to mis misposition yourself, especially the like if you have a GM if you're playing with intelligent enemies, they're going to stand next to your healing and get healed too. If they're, you know, so it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll stand there. Why not? <laughs> so, uh, something to keep, keep in mind as well. But either way, uh, imposter in hidden places, imposters in hidden places, whisper in quiet corners where mortal voices rarely echo, hoarding secrets and pondering unknowable truths. They often bring misfortune to those who disturb them through an animus who can earn their trust will find they make effective allies. Imposters in hidden places are shy and occasionally quite spiteful. Their apparition skills are fortune-telling lore and underworld lore. Love that. Uh, the spells are uh, the cantrip is telekinetic hand, 
First, uh, first Rankill Omen. Second, Invisibility. Third, Veil of Privacy. Fourth, Liminal Doorway. Fifth, Hallucination. Sixth, Mislead. Seventh, Planar Palace. Eighth, Disappearance. And ninth, Phasmagoria. That's a new spell for within the playtest. Yep. Their vessel spell is misprinted in the PDF. Do not be baited by this. It is misprinted. It is discomfiting whispers. Uh, so it is a, again, one action, five foot emanation sustained up to a minute. You are surrounded by an aura of spiteful murmurings that incite bad luck and punish failure. Uh, each creature that starts its turn within the area of this spell must roll twice on their attack roll on that round and take the lower result. If an attack rolled in this way results in a failure, the creature rolled, that rolled the failed attack takes 1d6 void damage. So, you know, just a little more salt on the wound, insult to injury, <laughs> which I love. Uh, super cool. Uh, it is heightened plus two. It does not scale as quickly, uh, but it does scale uh, 1d6 heightened plus two. The avatar is Whisper Hiding in Shadows. Speed 50 feet, fly speed 50 feet. Melee is Touch of Lost Futures. Versatile Cold. Damage 6d10 plus 6 void. Pretty powerful. Range Whisper of Despair. Range 120. Uh, damage 66 plus 6 void. Really, I love the... It's, it reminds me of like a... If there was a, uh, oh my, what were those things? If like a pug wompy ever became like an elder in the fey world, this is what they would become. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> so, this gives yeah. me um, Wayang vibes, which I think Wayang are going to be one of the, uh, aren't Wayangs going to become one of the ancestries that are coming pretty soon? I feel like I heard that. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. Don't know. All right, Christian, take it away. Next, we have Stalker in Darkened Boughs. Stalkers in Darkened Boughs make their homes in ancient forests and jungles, unfriendly to humanoids and others who would exert control or influence over nature's designs. These apparitions are drawn to animus who harbor violent thoughts or impulses, but are more likely to linger with animus who can quell their hatred. Stalkers in Darkened Boughs are moody, impulsive, and prone to seeing things from the least charitable perspective. <laughs> Don't know anyone like that. <laughs> Your, Shut up. If they are your pri... <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, but it does apply. <laughs> your skills you get, uh, if they are your primary, are forest lore and herbalism lore. Your apparition spells are gouging claw, which oh, I will know gouging, gouging claws. Claw. Oh, yeah. Well, and clearly it's going to be reprinted in player core because there is no notation about what book it's in, as all of the others specifically said they're in Rage of Elements, and none of these ones say anything like SOM, Secrets of Magic. So looks like Gouging Claw will be in player core. Uh, runic Body, Entangling Flora, Wall of Thorns, Speak with Plants, Moon Frenzy, Tangling Creepers, Unfettered Pack, Monstrosity Form, and Wrathful Storm. Your vassal spell is Darkened Forest Form. Your avatar, Beast of Bows, your speed, 70 feet, a fly speed of 70 feet, and you gain a melee attack, Devouring Jaws, which is deadly D10, a reach of 15 feet, and 6D10 plus 6 piercing damage. No ranged attack, but we do have an impressive reach on the melee, so very cool. 
And that focus spell is, as we said, a one-action animist polymorph sustain up to one minute. Uh, your apparition or your apparition casts a feral shadow over your form, transforming you into another shape. You can polymorph into any listed in pest form. When you transform into a form granted by a spell, you gain all the effects of the form. You choose from the version of the spell heightened to dark and forest forms rank. The apparition also helps you adapt more quickly to your new form. You gain a plus one status bonus to your attack rolls using the form's default attack modifier. Each time you sustain the spell, you can choose a different shape from those available via associated spells. So awesome. Heightened second level. So cracked. Yeah, that's that was, so cracked. Yeah, can I just say yeah, that's that so one. cracked? So freaking cool that you're just like, if this has like Beast Boy vibes to it for oh, me. Yeah, hundred. Yeah. Ben 10. <laughs> and ben 10 in here. Yeah. So heightened second level, you can also transform into forms listed in animal form. And then heightened fifth level, you can also transform into forms listed in elemental form. And the status oh, bonus to your attack so rolls good. when using the form's default attack modifier is plus two. I will also mention there is a feat. We didn't go over feats, but there's one specifically for or that modifies this, I believe. So the duration is up to five minutes instead of one minute. Very cool. And it also yeah, like adds my, additional forms. Like Druid's always been my favorite class. And, I got, and I've always like done the animal form style. And this is so awesome. Cause like granted you have to spend the action to sustain, but all the things you can do in most animal forms and all that stuff have crazy speeds. So it's just like, even though you have to sustain, you're going to be able to chase down whatever you're chasing down if you have to. And it's just, it's such an awesome, awesome spell. To rotate through damage types, piercing, bludgeoning, yep. slashing, yep. just like whatever you happen to need. Very cool. I also love this class in the sense it fills a lot of roles in the sense of people wanting a shaman. This absolutely can oh, be yeah. a shaman or oh, a yeah. mentalist or, you know, a, a kind of a really cool necromancer type character there this covers so many awesome you know play styles there's a lot of potential with this class i wonder if this is kind of um telegraphing a change that we're going to see in player core specifically related to battle forms and magic usage i hope so. since this is allowing you to sustain a spell while in a battle form right mm -hmm. so yeah. This is new. I already this know is where you're going thing, with that. <laughs> right? So are, are we eventually going to get druids that are a little bit more useful when they're a wild shape druid? Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I think this is promising for those of us that really like the druid, myself included, but don't really dig the fact that we can't do anything like natural spell or something like that like we could have in mm -hmm. 1E. Yeah. All right. Uh, Trevor, you're on steward. Steward of Stone and Fire. Stewards of Stone and Fire linger near volcano, volcanoes. Linger near volcanoes and the deep places in the heart of the earth. Though particularly old rock formations, canyons, and other natural features of the earth may also spawn or attract them. Or attract them. What is wrong with my mouth? Take two. Old no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm totally yeah, right? kidding. <laughs> Stewards of Stone and Fire are quick to anger and slow to forget. Uh, their skills they get are mountain lore and volcano lore. Apparition spells, their cantrip is Ignition, first rank Interposing Earth, second rank Exploding Earth, third Fireball, fourth Wall of Fire, five Wall of Stone, six Petrify, seventh Volcanic Eruption, eighth Earthquake, and ninth Falling Stars. Their vessel spell is Earth Spile. 
Again, this is a single action, and they can be sustained for up to a minute. In a Within 30 feet, you can choose a 10-foot burst. Uh, and the first time you sustain it, and each round thereafter, you can choose an area. So you can change the location every time you sustain it. Mm-hmm. Each creature in that area takes 1d4 fire, 1d4 bludgeoning, and 1 persistent fire. The persistent fire is negated on a successful reflex save. This is a basic reflex save uh, spell. Uh, every two levels it's heightened, the fire and bludgeoning damage increase by 1d4, and the persistent fire damage increases by 1. Can I just say that's freaking insane, the amount of a- AoE persistent damage like that without having to actually spend a, uh, a spell slot is insane. Like, I just want to put that out there. It's so crazy. No, Liam, you clearly never go to Reddit. Pathfinder hates casters, and they're making them weaker at every opportunity. That's all they're doing is they're just constantly nerfing. And dude, it's actually so funny because they had to address it in the stream today, or they had to address it in the uh, the the reveal stream. Uh, that they're like, people were like, they're clearly not nerfing spellcasters, guys. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I don't want to get, get uh, too distracted there. Their avatar is the Blood of Planets again. Such a great name. Uh, you get a 50-foot speed, a 50-foot burrow speed in more difficult terrain and greater difficult terrain. Your melee attack is Avalanche of Molten Stone, which is versatile bludgeoning. Uh, or Fire, 6d10 plus 6. And the range is Cleansing Eruption, 120-foot range, which again, nuts. Fire, 6d6 plus 6. I love it. All right, the Vanguard of Roaring Waters. Uh, Vanguard of Roaring Waters are most commonly found where waters or rivers carve their way through mountains, creating fearsome rapids. They can also be found near bays where rivers meet the sea and create turbulent breakers and unpredictable undertows. Vanguards of Roaring Waters encourage chaos and are easily bored. Apparition skills are mountain lore and river lore. Apparition skills cantrip, rousing splash, first. Hydraulic push, second, mist, third, aqueous orb, fourth, hydraulic torrent, fifth, control water, sixth, personal ocean, uh, seventh, dancing fountain, eighth, whirlpool, and ninth, wrathful storm. The vessel spell is river carving mountains. This is definitely, uh, I had a talk with uh, Called Shots Entertainment GM Jason. This is definitely the highest skill cap focus spell. Oh my God, the, uh, this thing is for amazing. The, uh, for the class. Very hard to use well. So, River Carving Mountains, one action focus, sustained up to a minute. Your apparition solidifies around you into roaring water and spraying mist. For the duration of this spell, you have lesser cover against ranged attacks and a five foot status bonus to your speeds. Once per turn, you can use an action to stride up to your speed while your apparition fills each square you pass through with lingering energy of a coursing river. These squares become difficult terrain until the start of your next turn. You can use river carving mountains while burrowing, climbing, flying, or swimming instead of striding if you have the corresponding movement type. Very difficult to use well, but uh, the two of you are in Abomination Vaults. I could only imagine trying to chase somebody in a five foot wide hallway in a dungeon. You'd be like, yeah, good luck. There's no, no shot. You're keeping up with me, uh, which is just super, super cool. 
uh, and their avatar. This is the greatest run for your life spell that has ever been made. Absolutely. <laughs> I off when I read this. Absolutely. Uh, the Avatar River that splits the world. Speed 50, swim speed 70. Melee, parting mountains, versatile, slashing, and water. Uh, damage 60, 10 plus 6, bludgeoning. Ranged, crash into the sea. Range 120, versatile, piercing. Water, damage 66, plus 6, bludgeoning. Love it. Oh, Trevor got the good one. No, no, or no. Christian, Christian got the good one. Christian got the good one. Christian got the good one. This is my favorite one. I love this This is the best one. So cool. I love it. Witness to ancient battles. Witnesses to ancient battles may be the restless souls of warriors left unfulfilled by their final contest. Valkyries and other beings from beyond naturally from beyond naturally drawn to sites of death and battle, or even the unquiet entity formed from a battle or battlefield that has seen so much death and blood it has gained a spiritual essence of its own i really like that part like it's just a place there's been so many fights that it has developed its own like spiritual essence witnesses to ancient battles are often somber and grim your apparition skill is battleground lore and heraldry lore Apparition spells for cantrip, we have shield, first rank runic weapon, second rank enlarge, third rank ghostly weapon, fourth weapon storm, fifth invoke spirits, sixth phantasmal calamity, seventh true target, eight canticle of everlasting grief, ninth foresight. Vessel spell embodiment of battle and the avatar general of endless battle speed 70 feet immune to immobilized And melee final strike is agile, fatal D12, reach 15 feet, damage 68 plus 6 slashing. Did did you just walk over immune to immobilize? Like it was like, oh, it was immune to immobilize, you know? (laughs) I mean, honestly, you get this at 19th level. If you're being immobilized at 19th level, you're not playing the game right. Something's (laughs) wrong. Something's very wrong. (laughs) It's just super cool. Super cool. Yeah. No, that's what I said. You know, this this stuff sounds really cool, but you have to remember, you, you get this at 19th level, so it mm-hmm. is pretty on par with what characters are doing at that level. So, mm-hmm. embodiment of battle. Uh, we have sustained up to one minute. Your apparition guides your attacks and imparts its skill to your movements. For the duration, your proficiency with martial weapons is equal to your proficiency with simple weapons. You gain a plus one status bonus to attack and damage rolls made with weapons or unarmed attacks. You gain the reactive strike reaction. And you gain critical specialization effect for any weapon you're wielding when you cast or sustain this spell. The instincts of an apparition of battle run contrary to the use of magic. For the duration of the spell, you take a minus two status minus two status penalty to your spell attack modifier and your spell DCs. And this heightens to fourth rank. The status bonus to the attack and damage rolls increases to plus two. And at seventh rank, it increases to plus three. Man, it's like what the battle oracle should have done. <clears throat> no comment. Oh, I'll comment all day. Battle Oracle's awful. I know. Oracle's and, your favorite class, right, Trevor? And comment. <laughs> Good Battle Oracle. Doesn't fulfill the fantasy and makes me sad. No, the I love dude, this I love that they're giving a caster the ability to step temporarily into a martial role. That's so cool. At, at the cost of their magical potency, which is so awesome. That's so, so cool. 
Because like you can make the argument, it's like, well, I'm just not going to cast spells that would be offensive spells. I'm just going to cast utility and healing, and it wouldn't be effective. It's so so awesome. All right, so I know that uh, we're kind of running long here, so we're going to skip the feats, but don't worry. Uh, we're going to make this playtest available to you guys. And if you can't get it through Paizo, we'll, we'll have it for you, too. Uh, we are going to end this episode here, and we're going to spin up a new one for the Exemplar. That way, if you guys wanted one or the other, you can just jump right over to there. And we try to keep these at a good length, so we don't want to bury you guys in an you know hour and 40-minute episode. <laughs> so I think that's going to wrap us up for today. And I'm Christian. I'm Trevor. And I'm GM Liam. And as usual, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you again in a second. Bye, y'all. Take it easy.